0: Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here with another Cheryl Ackeson podcast. Today, I'm gonna talk about something I wrote an article about in The Hill called Quid Pro Quo in Ukraine, No, Not Yet. Actually, my title was shorter. The one I wrote was Quid Pro No. And I'm talking in this about the impeachment debate and how it's being framed and what I learned after speaking to current and former diplomats and doing a little bit of research. Stuff that was not being reported on the news programs that I've been watching and in some of the articles that I've been reading. So I thought I would talk this through in case people wanna know a little bit more about it. First of all, let's talk about the term quid pro quo to begin with, because that's how the impeachment debate is being framed is if that's the bar that'll determine whether President Trump did something egregious or wrong or something impeachable, whether he committed a quid pro quo. But I think there are some big flaws with this framing that that's the bar that's been set, whether or not there was a quid pro quo. I'm not sure the term's being used properly, and I'm talking about by Democrats and Republicans and the media. Diplomatic quid pro quo requiring certain actions, behavior, or conditions in return for U.S. aid is common, according to current and former diplomats that I spoke with. In fact, that's basically the purpose of foreign aid. The U.S. uses its foreign aid to influence other countries, to get them to commit to a certain behavior or do certain things or spend the money a certain way or cooperate with an investigation. And this is all under the purview of the president. Under the Foreign Assistance Act of 1961, it says the president may determine the terms and conditions under which most forms of assistance are provided. So the notion that there's something inherently wrong with this sort of foreign aid diplomacy is raising concern among some career diplomats. I spoke with a former Obama administration State Department official, a fairly high-ranking official, who, by the way, is a Democrat and an Obama supporter. He actually said that by controversializing this common practice, I guess what some are calling a quid pro quo, he said his fellow Democrats are hamstringing any future president. And then he said that's why this is a constitutional moment. He's criticizing the notion that most everybody's talking about a quid pro quo as if there's something wrong with it, instead of understanding this is how foreign aid typically works. Now, it is true that few Americans would think it's appropriate for a U.S. president to use this foreign aid diplomacy to set conditions to get dirt on a political opponent. Remember, that was the original accusation we heard from a supposed whistleblower, that President Trump had demanded that the president of Ukraine provide dirt on his 2020, Trump's 2020 presidential rival, Joe Biden. But the available information is now proving to be a far cry from those original whistleblower allegations. In fact, it's really no longer being said that Trump specifically solicited interference from a foreign country in the 2020 presidential election, which is what was originally said. Foreign aid is widely considered, I found, a tool to allow the U.S. access and influence in the domestic and foreign affairs of other states, particularly when it comes to national security policy. It also helps governments to achieve mutual cooperation on a wide range of issues, as I discussed, and I found all of these quotes in routine paperwork that discusses the purpose of foreign aid. All of this appears to neatly fit the definition of the very things President Trump's critics now allege he did, minus that hyperbola that was out there in the beginning. They're saying he tried to ensure Ukraine's cooperation in the U.S. investigation into the 2016 presidential campaign. And the Trump administration wanted to obtain a commitment from Ukraine to open an investigation into widespread corruption there that could have U.S. ties, including a possible tie to the 2020 presidential election because Joe Biden's running for office. What does Ukraine have to do with any of this? Why would President Trump be bringing in Ukraine to talk about the 2016 election? I think a lot of people don't understand that. Ukraine could be uniquely positioned to assist the U.S. in these very matters. There have been multiple reports that allege Ukrainian officials under a previous Ukrainian president partnered with the Democratic National Committee, the DNC, in 2016 to, quote, sabotage Trump. Yes, you heard right. There was a lot of talk about Russia, not so much about Ukraine, even though this was well discussed and well reported. According to Politico in an article it wrote after a very thorough investigation, quote, Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton and undermine Trump. A paid consultant with the Democrats, the DNC, named Alexander Chalupa, met with Ukrainian officials in 2016, says Politico, to, quote, expose ties between Trump, top campaign aide Paul Manafort, and Russia. Politico reported, quote, the Ukrainian efforts had an impact in the race, helping to force Manafort's resignation and advancing the narrative that Trump's campaign was deeply connected to Ukraine's foe to the east, Russia. So if I'm reading this correctly, and I think I am, Ukraine was behind an effort to controversialize President Trump, his campaign aide Paul Manafort, and to link them all to Russia. So it could be argued that Trump's interest in digging into Ukraine's corruption, which is pretty legendary, and its foreign influence in the 2016 campaign, which Politico and others have documented, transcends political desires. It fits the mandate. Since he was elected, Trump and Congress have been pressed to get to the bottom of improper foreign influence in the 2016 campaign. The influence that supposedly happened under the watch of Obama intel officials such as then Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, then CIA Director John Brennan, and then FBI Director James Comey. And remember the Trump administration and Congress have pledged to do all they can to prevent a repeat in 2020. So while critics might say he had no business, meaning President Trump, talking to the new president of Ukraine about all of this, I think the Trump administration would say this is exactly what he needed to do and what they ought to be doing. And you could see why the Democrats would be very sensitive in a political sense that he was sniffing around this territory or going there. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. So back to the Democrats' notion that it's improper or possibly even criminal for President Trump to hold out U.S. aid in order to achieve cooperation from Ukraine's new president, a quid pro quo. Well, headlines were made from widely leaked closed-door testimony recently by William Taylor, who was the acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. He assumed that position just in July, by the way. Taylor reportedly testified that he was alarmed that the Trump administration was supposedly withholding military assistance unless Ukraine committed to investigating 2016 election corruption, which included alleged wrongdoing by the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. So, again, we're going back to Ukraine's corruption, how it could be tied to U.S. political figures. You probably remember that Joe Biden's son, was sitting on the board of that energy company at the time. And that Joe Biden has admitted that he had influence in getting the prosecutor who was looking into Burisma fired by threatening to withhold or take back or not give U.S. military aid. Anyway, back to Ambassador Taylor, who testified behind closed doors and said he was alarmed that the Trump administration was withholding military assistance, sort of a quid pro quo, it turns out Ambassador Taylor himself is very familiar with the process of conditioning U.S. foreign aid. I found he spoke of that extensively in November of 2011 after he, Ambassador Taylor, had just been handpicked by then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for a new position as the State Department's Special Coordinator for Middle East Transitions, specifically Egypt, Tunisia, and Libya. So I looked at the transcript from the news conference at the time of Ambassador Taylor working for Hillary Clinton in this new position. A reporter says to Ambassador Taylor, quote, you'll condition your aid based on the direction in which these countries are going? And Taylor replies, our assistance is part of our foreign policy. This is clear. And then he went on to give examples in this news conference of how U.S. aid would be used as leverage, quid pro quo. Here's one thing he told reporters, for example, quote, We will say to the Egyptians, don't send us that check that you owe the U.S. for a billion dollars. Keep it there, but we will agree with you, we, the United States government, will agree with you, the Egyptian government, on how to spend that billion dollars in Egypt. Quid pro quo. A more recent example, of course, I just mentioned, is the admission by former Vice President Joe Biden, and he said this in an interview that was televised, that he was able to get Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor, as a condition to receive U.S. foreign aid, quid pro quo. So what I'm trying to say is, even if it were to be considered wrong for Ambassador Taylor, former Vice President Biden, President Trump, or any U.S. president to engage in quids pro quo involving foreign aid, there's still an issue for saying that President Trump did that in the current impeachment debate, because a quid pro quo has two essential parts— I mean, one way you can define quid pro quo is by saying it's something for something. First, a deal must be understood between the parties. In this case, it would be that President Trump would deliver USA to Ukraine if and only if the president of Ukraine delivers dirt on Trump's political rival and potential 2020 opponent, Joe Biden. That would be the quid pro quo, the deal. Second, the goods must actually be delivered. So in this case, President Trump would have had to actually receive the requested packet of dirt on Biden in order to trigger the release of the U.S. aid. That's the problem. So far, there's not even an allegation that Part 2 ever occurred. Without delivery of the dirt, there's no quid pro quo, just a quid. So from what we know as of now... The most that can be reasonably alleged against President Trump by the media, by his enemies, by never-Trumpers, by other Republicans who don't like him, the most that can be reasonably alleged is that he offered a quid pro quo, something, by the way, both Trump and the other party, the president of Ukraine, deny, but then it was never consummated. New facts could emerge, but right now, there seems to be a lot less than meets the eye. So what comes of all of this and testimony of people going in and out on Capitol Hill and talking about what did or didn't happen, it, it really looks like some State Department diplomats, maybe a lot of them, disagree with President Trump's ideas and strategies. Ambassador Taylor confirmed as much. They don't like what President Trump was doing. They don't like President Trump at all. But the fact is the authority on these matters of diplomacy and foreign aid, it comes from the top down. Diplomats aren't freelancers who develop and implement their own policies and goals independent of the wishes of a president. They're tasked with implementing a president's foreign policy, whether they like him and his policies or not. Diplomats who disagree are generally not entitled to unilaterally defy, undermine, and work against a president's wishes. In fact, they're expected to resign or leave office if they can't fulfill their job. All things considered, I think it starts to look like the quid pro quo accusations are an extension of the strategy that sought to keep President Trump from providing typical direction to his Justice Department for the better part of two years. Remember his critics cried that if he had anything to do with his Justice Department, it would be obstruction of justice or interfering with the Mueller probe. Well, then with that investigation closed, Trump's enemies appear to be trying to keep him now from digging into dark and comfortable places about how all that came about and who might have been behind it from Washington, D.C. to Ukraine, places where many Democrats and Republicans would rather he did not dig. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, pass it along to your friends subscribe to the Sheryl Akson podcast. And if you're looking for more things to listen to, I also have a podcast called Full Measure After Hours, where we have some behind the scenes reflections from my weekly Sunday television program. Thanks for listening. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.